serve the Lord with gladness and to come before his presence with thanksgiving and singing. And so therefore, even our acts of worship is a part of service. Sometime as a church or as an individual, we go out in the community, in your work environment, and, and, and you represent God in a way or you do things for others in those environments, those too can be acts of service. So at its core, service is really closely connected to, to worship because through those acts of worship, not only do we bless God when we serve, but we bless others when we serve. And so a lot of times when you see people doing charitable duties or charitable things, those things are all considered service-type functions. And so Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, you know, uh, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it's talking about renew and be renewed in, the, in our mind, in there it lets us know there's two things that got to take place if we're going to present our body to the Lord as our reasonable service. It lets us know that, one, we got to make, if the Lord has blessed us to still be able to be healthy, we got to be able to present our physical body, but at the same time, we got to be able to present our mind to him. Because if we don't have a mind to serve, we won't serve. So our mind got to be in a mode that it, it understands the importance of service, not only to God, but to people. But at the same time, then if God has blessed us with our physical strength and abilities, capabilities, then we tie those two things together so that we can serve. Now, service is the cure for selfishness because it's hard to be selfish when you have a heart to serve God and other people. And, and, and so, and, and others, because sometimes the reason we don't serve is sometimes we can be, it can be all about us, and we can get selfish, and then when we get selfish, we don't want to necessarily make the sacrifices of that, put forth the effort that's required to serve. And so, uh, tonight when we get into this lesson, uh, we're going to look at a couple of things. You know, we were, while we were created, uh, accepting the challenge to serve, using what God gave you, how real servants act, and thinking like a servant. Thinking like a servant. Now, when we look at this, it's important that you don't serve the Lord as people out of a sense of duty. If you see this as a duty or just a task, then your spirit is not going to be right while you're doing it. You got to see this as that something that God has placed on you and therefore, you have a passion and you have a desire to serve him and his people. And then that way, when it's time to do it, any little thing won't cause you not to do it. In other words, sometimes when we serve in God and others, it may inconvenience us. And so a lot of times, because our mind is not geared towards service, when we feel like we're being inconvenienced or this is just a duty or a task, then guess what? I may not serve with the right attitude. My heart may not be right while I'm serving. And sometimes when we serve God and our heart is not right and our attitude is not right, then what it does, it makes what we're trying to do ineffective. And what, and ha what happens is when people see that, who are coming alongside you to serve, then they don't want to serve. Right. Because you, they will feed off whatever energy you bring. So now when we say why we are created, why we were created, now, Ephesians 2 and 10, and we're going to discuss this a little bit when we get here. It says now, Ephesians 2 and 10 says, 
For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works. Somebody say good works. good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before we even got here, God had already in advance prepared for us to do something. Now, it's important for us to understand we were not created just to consume resources, breathe, take up space in the earth. God created man for something. And part of that, when Adam was in the garden, Adam's duty was to take care of God's creation. He was to serve God by taking care of God's creation. So if all of us look at that and, and think about saying that God has created us to serve him, then what we have to ask ourselves is we've been created to serve, then now that you are a Christian, and now that, that you know that, then what are some of the good works? If you're online and, and you want to put it in the, in the chat box and let us know, when you think of good works and think of your life and, 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 and what you are capable of doing, what are some of the good works that you feel like God created you to do within the constraints of in his kingdom, in, in the church, uh, uh, even in the world, if you in your workplace? What are some, just think about that, what are some of the good works that you think God created you to do? Anybody? And your answer is your answer. I mean, you know, this is what we're talking about, thinking like a servant. Because when I'm thinking like a servant, you know, my mind ought to be saying, man, I believe God, God created me because I like doing this or I do this or, 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 or to serve in some capacity. What do you think God created you to do? Anybody? Your answer is your answer again. something to be done in, in the kingdom. I mean... Uh, okay, I, so, so, so you, you believe in that in a, in a general sense, wherever there's a, a need or there's a requirement for help to be done or to help somebody to do good, you feel like if I, if I got the capability, then I'm going to put my hands to that plow. Right. I don't mind putting my hands to the plow right. because I'm a, just a general all around I can, if I can help somebody and I got the skill sets to do that, then well, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody specific? Like anything? You know, and, and the reason I ask this question like this is because sometimes when we get saved and we come to the, to the church, we, we, we don't bring all the gifts and talents that we had when we were in the world to the church. And a lot of times, some of those things that we were very, very, very good at, you know, in the world can be used in the kingdom. Not all of them, but some things that God gifted us to be. You know, if, if you were a poet in the world, you could write songs for God. I mean, that's a passion of something you got. You know, if you could cook good in the world, that means you can do that to serve others for God. You know, if you were a teacher in the world, that means that if God called you to the church, it's a possibility that you would probably, be, if you could teach in a secular environment, you could probably teach the word of God. If you because the skill set that one is required to study, to prepare, to teach, it is very little different between teaching in the church and teaching in the world, except for we teach it from God's word versus teaching from a book that was created by some professor or some institution. And so, so what I want you to see is that don't think that this is some supernatural anointing that got to come on to you after you get saved. These are some things that you're probably already doing before you got saved. 
And so now you come to the Lord and you say, okay, how can I take what God has blessed me with? How can I take the skill sets, the gifts, and the talent that he has blessed me with, and how can I use that to further his kingdom and to serve him? If I was singing before I came to the Lord, I shouldn't come to the church and don't sing. I mean, if I was, if I was tearing it up on Friday and Saturday night, turning it out, and I always had the mic in my hand, then now when I come to church, I want to touch the mic. Then why is it that we, we don't use those same gifts for God, but we use when we was in the world? If you was an artist, meaning that you painted stuff in the world, then you can paint in the church. You can do things to help people in those areas. So, so when I think about service, don't think about you got to learn something all over brand new. You just may be doing some of the same things you were doing before Jesus, but now you're doing them to bring glory and honor to God. You're doing them to bring honor and to serve his people and to serve in the kingdom. Now, is it, you know, and this is a hypothetical question because, you know, you can just kind of answer this in your own way because, again, I'm not judging for a right answer here, but do you think it's possible to be in a church for a good portion of your life. You know, I got really serious in the church at 28, so I'm 68 now. So I just, I've been in the church a good portion of my life. I wish I had got serious earlier, but about 28 is when I really got serious and made that true turn and conversion. Do you think it's possible to be in the church or in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, for a good portion of life and never serve? Is it possible? Is it possible to, to go to church and worship and then and say you don't serve or not serve? Brother Perry, do I see you shaking your head? So, if they have to take that long, they're not learning anything. If they, if they take that long, they're not learning anything. They're not trying to learn nothing. Not, not trying to learn, not trying to serve, not trying to, to do the things they're required to do. And so, so in my mind, somebody may say, well, hey, I'm not a teacher. I'm not, I'm not a person who can get up and, and preach the word or teach the word. You know, I, I don't even like cooking, so I ain't even a good helps person to go in the kitchen. You know, I, and I don't like kids. But man, if nothing else, mate, I believe when you come to church on Sunday, you ought to say, hey, I'm going to give God my best worship as my act of service to him. I'm going to serve him by giving him my best worship. Everybody got to be able to worship him. You know, that is something that's not unique to one person. We all were created to worship him, to, to magnify him, to glorify him. And so therefore, if nothing else, maybe that one person who don't have any other skill set may say, okay, all I can do is raise my hand and, and, and sing songs to God or, or give him a hallelujah and give him my best, best praise or my best worship when I come to church because when it comes to those other things, uh, I may not be able to do that. But I believe in my mind that everybody... Can bring something to the table. And I think God has gifted us to bring something to the table where we can be a benefit to the kingdom of God as well as to others. Because again, service is not about us. It's about what we do for God and how we help others in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Major, go ahead. Pastor, could some of it be that uh, the structure of the church uh, in years ago was, was different? Because now, I remember coming up in church, we, it was certain people that did those things and nobody else was asked. So like teaching, teaching Sunday school, it seemed like 
the people are already designated to do that. Nobody else were asked. And, and it's like, like cooking and stuff, like how we do here at Striving was different because church I grew up in, I mean, normally it would be the pastor would go to somebody's house after church and, and eat dinner. Or some of the programs and the way church is structured now was different than it was uh, back then as far as a person's gift and the way the church service was structured. I think okay. it's probably a, probably a lot different. Wait, there are some similarities, though. You know, we just may have changed the names from, you know, we used to have, you know, sunshine committees in the church, you know, the sunshine to make sure yeah. that you show yeah. some people some sunshine. You know, sometimes you may hear that it helps people in the church who got that gift, they want to help, help someone when they're sick and, and yeah. shut in. Yeah. They do that. You know, then we have, in, the, in most structure I grew up in, you had offices in the church, like, you know, the deacons and the, and, and the trustee board and people like that, that was kind of handpicked to do those type yeah. things. And then, yes, yeah, sometimes you could run into the wall and look like everybody wasn't asked to be an usher. Everybody wasn't asked to be in the choir. Yeah. But I think that's all because people don't understand that service is about everybody trying to be involved. And so we're not trying to exclude anybody who wants to serve, but just by human nature, people can be protective of their turf. And so therefore, other people can sense, hey, man, I got a desire to help, but I can tell they don't want nobody to do that. I I can tell the way they come off. They they really ain't looking for somebody to come in and help and give them a hand because the minute you say something, they're going to say, no, we ain't ain't doing that. And and so therefore, they, they don't invite you in. But here at Striving, I, I hope that we try to do a good job to get people involved. I mean, we want people to serve in this ministry where, wherever they feel like they're blessed. And that's why we got uh, so many little things that they can do that don't involve having to stand up in front of the church to do it. I mean, there are a lot of things behind the scenes, especially since we also have an outreach ministry that is connected to the church. So there's plenty of opportunity. The thing that what we have to do is work with now is trying to get availability. There's a people available to serve. It looked like in the old days, people were more available than they are now. There wasn't so, wasn't so many competing interests that, that, right. that you got to go up against that's now, right. you know, and, and, and because of that, people are picking their targets when they're serving. That's okay. But at the same time, I think God expects all of us Amen. to do something. I think Jesus challenges all of us to accept the challenge to serve. Now, we can see a little bit of that in Matthew chapter 20, verse 24 through 28, accepting the challenge to serve. Now, in, in this passage, you know, a, a, a mother was ambitious, and she wanted the best for her son. You know, we probably say it sounds like a little bit of like church politics, you know. So she'd go to Jesus and say, hey, look, you know, when you come, man, I want to make sure you have my boy sitting next to you. Let my boy sit one sit on the right and one sit on the left, you know. And, and, and when she said that coming in to play the church politics, the other disciples heard that, and they took exception. Wait a minute, man, wait a minute. Who's who going to determine who sit on his right hand? So they, everybody wanted to know, I want to be in the place of honor. I want to sit in the place of honor. And Jesus picked up on that real quick, that that mindset may run through a lot of people's minds. I will serve if you put me in some place of honor. If, I, if I'm going to be in the spotlight and serve, some people raise their hand quick. But if you're going to put me behind the scenes and nobody see my name and I'm in the small credits in the, in the movie just barely mentioned, I may not have a heart to do that. And so what she was saying, she asked that question. And by her asking that question, when the other ten heard it, they got upset. 
I mean, you know, human nature. Wait a minute. They, these guys weren't even one of the first ones chosen. I mean, come on. How are they going to come in? want to know who's going to sit on his right hand and his left hand. So in verse 24 of, uh, of, of chapter 20 of Matthew, we find these words. It says, and when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Now, you know, in the church, people do think sometimes that there's a pecking order. And so therefore, if there's a pecking order, you know, if you here, you can do this and other people. I think sometimes people who serve more get falsely accused of trying to get places in the pecking order. A lot of times, your service and your gift make room for you. When you come and present what you got that the Lord has blessed you with to his service, any good leader is going to want people to do that. You want people to serve in their gifting, and, and, and at the same time, you don't want others to be jealous because we, everybody's not gifted to do the same thing. But it shouldn't be no politics where somebody said, well, hey, you know, which one I'm going to sit at your right? Well, sitting at the right and left wasn't about helping people. That was about status. You know, you know we, we, we want to be served. We're sitting on your right and your left. That's like at the head table. That's right. You know, and, and when you go to a function, you know the people at the head table, they stuff come first. They get personal attendance. You know, they, get, they just get treated a little bit different than most places because they're at the head table. And Jesus teaches a powerful lesson here when he says this. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles, Lord, it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Then he says, yet, but it shall not be so among you. He says, you got to be just the opposite of the way the world see, you know, serving and, and, and status and, and notoriety and sitting at the head table. He said, now, it ain't going to be like that among you. He says, but whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. Now, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Servant again. Now, what Jesus told us here is that service in his mind and greatness in his, in his mind is connected to service. That's right. it, it ain't a connected to somebody just putting you there because your mama said, can you put him there? Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you know, Martin Luther King used to always say, you can serve your way to greatness. And I guarantee you, if you serve and you do what's right and you do what God has called you to do in a, in a dignified way and do it with your pure heart and, 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 and in a passionate way, somebody's going to see your service. Right. Somebody's going to recognize your service. So what he was trying to get them to see is that, hey, look, you guys and your mom got this thing backwards. It's not about who get to sit at the table because they've been handpicked. He said you can serve your way to the head of the table. That's right. You know, you can serve. He says... And whosoever desires to be first among you, let him be a slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give himself a ransom for many. And the last two things that I want to hit on right quick. He says, now I came, the Son of Man, who is your example, I didn't come just for people to wait on me That's right. and to serve me. You know, I came to serve. And, and, and to give myself. And so it's two things that we got to see here is that one, Jesus said, now look, he did not come to serve, but to serve, to be served, but to serve. So he says, now we got to have a heart and a mind that we're willing to serve others. 
That's action. To serve and to give himself as a ransom. In other words, service will require you to make sacrifices sometimes. You know, because when you understand that, when you're going to serve others, sometimes it may inconvenience you. And when that, when that happens, and, and, and we're going to see here later, sometimes your word got to override your feeling and your convenience and all that. If you have told somebody you're going to do something, your word got to be there. It, it can't be like, oh, man, I got up this morning, I'm tired of the weather. No. If you said you're going to do it, you got to be true to your word. Because a lot of times what we got to understand, it's easy to let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. If you don't want to do it, just say, I can't do it, don't want to do it. And I think people can appreciate us better than when we give the people the impression that, hey, we got your back, we're going to do this, and then all of a sudden when it's time to do it, you ain't there. And then now you know an excuse is coming. And so, so I think sometimes when it comes to service and, and in God's kingdom, Jesus taught a good lesson when he said sometime before you put your hand to the plow, you just need to sit down and count the cost. Don't just haul off and do it because you just think, oh, yeah, I'm going to say it because everybody in the meeting, I'm going to raise my hand like I'm going to do it. And you ain't even count the cost, find out what it's going to take. You just want to be seen. And then now when it's time to pull it off, you don't forget the crowd ain't there now because this, this is a job that don't require the whole church to see you do it. But, but you sounded good in front of the crowd, but then now when it's time to do it, you don't have the passion and the desire to do it. So when our motivation for doing things is not right, then it's going to show up because we're not going to complete the things that we said that we were going to do. Amen. And so Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see that they had to follow his example. And I believe that Jesus wants us to follow his example today is that in some capacity, we got to serve people and we got to serve God Amen. in some capacity. I don't know care how limited that may be for you based upon your ability, availability, and skills and, and talent. But if God has blessed you with some skill sets and some talents and some gifts, I think we need to sit down, count the cost, and say, God, I got a lot of time in my life and my schedule and my thing that I'm just wasting. That I could, if I really put my mind to it, I could be doing something to help somebody or serve your kingdom. I can do it. And, 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 And what happens is when you start and you get a passion about it and a joy about doing it, then it won't be a burden. You know, God will give you the grace to do the things that he's blessed you to do. If you got the skill set to do it, God will give you the grace. I just believe that he don't put more on that we can bear. But at the same time, I think if we say, God, I want to, and we're going to see this here in a minute. Sit down, take an inventory of what I can do, and then now make sure then that I do the things that I'm good at. Some people try to volunteer to do too much and they ain't good at it. And you frustrate other folks. Now, it's different when we just come in and say, hey, let's move chairs. Everybody That's come right. and move some chairs. Right. But everybody can't cook in the kitchen. You may think you can cook, but if you know, if you know you can't even cook for yourself, don't go put your hand up to be the chef in the kitchen. I mean, just don't, don't so you got to have some, have some ability major in that, in that area. If you, I mean, if you, just don't do that. That's right. But if you know you got another skill set that you like doing, the things that you naturally do well, then do what you do well. Now, you may be a helper in the kitchen. That's okay. You know, just take this out, put it out, bring the food back. All I need for you to do is every time that's empty, you just bring it back in and we're going to put something else in. You ain't got to cook nothing. I just need you to be my legs right now to do that. And that's helping. But if you can't do it, don't make it. It's like 
Yeah, we want everybody to be able to make a joyful noise, but everybody can't, just can't be in the choir. I mean, I know you think you, I used to sing, you know, in the, in the shower at home or whatever, but man, come on, if you ain't never sung in your life, don't <laughs> look. Now, I believe some people are anointed. God can give you an anointing that you can do it, but look here, most of the time it takes practice <laughs> and it takes having that ability, okay? And so sometimes people just sign up to do things that they're not that good at it and not suited for, and then they want God to supernaturally bless it. Well, you, it's, it's hard to turn away. It's hard. You know, I, I, I tell you what, you know, we did a, a workshop here years ago, you know, and uh, it was a famous recording artist came, and, you know, because that, that famous guy, cause everybody won't sing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that guy got ear. I mean, he here, he can tell who can do what, I mean, quickly. After two nights, man, the workshop, he know. And so, you know, I, behind the scenes, you know, I, I heard him tell the sound, man, that mic down. <laughs> like he was saying, I ain't going to tell her she can't sing, but I'm just going to we're going to take, them, take, take that one down. Now that was a person because that was, we just said we're holding a workshop and anybody who can come. And some of the people who came never were in a choir. Or someone was in a choir and they thought that was all that at their level, but when it came to the quality of people that came to be a part of that, since he was a professional, you had to step your game up. And so ain't nothing wrong with that sometime that, that, hey, if you can't do it, don't get upset because somebody else, God has blessed them to do it better. Just do what you can do to the best of your ability and serve God with gladness. Amen. And so you're right, Major. I would never turn to my, they say they want to be in the choir. I would never say, man, you can't be in the When people say they want to be in the choir and they come back and talk to the choir director and all that, hey, man, we never turn We don't. Now, let me be like them said this way. I have been to church workshops where they told us that they auditioned for their choir. Yeah. You don't just raise your hand on Sunday and say, I, I want to sing. You have to audition. Now, we've never done that here at Strider. But again, we ain't never had a 100-person choir, a big old choir. That Maybe you got 200 people trying to get in a 50-person choir. And so with that, whether that's right or wrong, I've seen that happen before, and people have to audition. But yeah, I was going to say that too. Even in... Uh, uh Aaron was telling me that, and then most of their praise team, they were volunteers, but he said it was known that they still had to audition. It, you can say, okay, I want to volunteer, but then they also had the right to say, well, hey, maybe, you know, you're not a good fit for what we're trying to do. You're not a good fit for this particular program, but you can volunteer maybe in another area. He said they had, they had to be honest with, with people. Hey, thank you for volunteering, but... This, this may not be for you. Right, right. Again, because now if you're trying to put forth a, a product in a church, a good-sized right. church, you right. want the praise and worship piece to sound good. You don't want just a joyful noise. You want them to sound like they can sing because it's going to impact the audience. Now, back in the day when we were just, you know, nothing but a, a piano player and that was it and we was off key, that was it. But these guys, that <laughs> praise and worship is a production now. It is no longer, in most of these churches now, it's a production. So it's not something you just do haphazardly. You know, people's skill sets have skills to do that. It sounds bad to say, man, I got to go to the church and audition. I got to audition the same for the Lord in some church. But here's striving. We've never had an audition, not that I know I can remember, where someone had to audition. Now, however, the, 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 the praise team leaders go about selecting who lead a song, 
That may be something done in, inside the choir, but to get in the choir, we never had to have an audition like that. But, but if, if that's not wrong. If that's what that church does and that's what's required because of what they're trying to do, then there's nothing wrong with that. But the key thing is that whether you're in the choir or usher at the door, man, you got to have the right attitude when you're serving. Yeah, I mean, you got to have the right heart. You got to bring the right uh, spirit into it because when you're serving as a volunteer in every position in the church, it's not paid position. A lot of these things are filled by volunteers. And so therefore, you, you can't afford to turn the volunteer force off because you got people that don't come with the right spirit, the right attitude. Because a lot of times when you do that, then now that caused the ministry to suffer, and then we're not giving God that service that he deserves by being able to serve him with gladness and serve him with the right, right heart. You know, uh, number three, we talks about, he says, using what God gave you. You know, uh, and this is Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 3 of chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 3. Look at it. He says, I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. He says, for by the grace, the unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to establish and think of himself more highly than he ought. In other words, in Amplified say, not to have an exaggerated opinion of your own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment. In other words, he's saying, look, Major, you need to sit down and do an assessment with a sober mind, your ability. Don't come up here and make me think you can sing like James Cleveland or somebody Reese Frank or somebody else. Don't rate your ability. You, 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 you got to be honest with yourself. You, you, people really know. They know how good or bad. Rate your ability. Then we say, hey, look, rate his ability with a sober judgment each according to the degree of faith apportioned to him, uh, apportioned by God to him. In other words, Paul was encouraging believers or readers to assess their gifts and abilities. He's encouraged them to take a long and honest look at what they are good at and what they are not good at. And sometimes we can have a desire to play a part that we're not good at. And that can be in anything. But then we have to sit down and rate ourselves and say, hey, let's be honest. When I, when I came out the hood, the neighborhood, and this, I'm just using sports as an example, in my neighborhood, I was the best and the baddest football player in our neighborhood. I used to do it all. I play quarterback, draw the plays up in the ground, run the ball. I, was, I, I just did it. So in my mind, when I got to high school and in, 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 in junior high school and started playing with other neighborhoods and kids from all over the city, I went in thinking that, man, I'm going to be a running black, back. Because in my neighborhood, when I run the ball, can't nobody take me down. So I'm thinking, that's where I'm going there. I had overrated my ability because I was rating myself against the guys in my neighborhood who wasn't as good as I was. So I soon thought, I could run over them, I'm going to run over everybody else. And when I got to Junior high and high school, I found out that you had to have some speed, you had to have some hands and catch. And so I went from thinking I was going to be a running back to playing center. And that's a big change right there. <laughs> that's a big change. Ain't no glory in center. Nobody run on the field looking for the center. 
You know what I mean? That that's, ain't no glory. And so my coach told me, say, I said, but coach, I can at least be the fullback. If you're going to play on this team, you're going to play son. I wanted to play football, so I humbled myself. I had to came in, over-evaluated. <laughs> you know, I had seen myself scoring all these touchdowns and all that stuff. Man. I had seen it because that's what I did in the neighborhood. But then I had to humble myself and play son. And so that's how I played football. All that time, I thought that I was going to be a star running back and I was a center. Now, we had a good team in my, in my junior year. I mean, we, we, went, we went undefeated in our junior year, so playing center on a good team was good because we all won. We all, you know, we all celebrated. It was a good thing. But, but getting the glory, centers don't get right up in the paper. It was, right. you know, the Willis Scotts and the Ralph Stokes and them guys who carried the ball that made all the touchdowns. They, they named, they pictures show up in the paper, all that. But them boys was 10 times better than I was. And the coach saw that, but I didn't want to accept that. But when he told me, if you're going to play on this team, you're going to have to play center. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. And so sometimes when we do things and we want to do it and we see other people that may be better than us, we got to know how to humble ourselves and say, okay, man, you know, when it wasn't number the three-person court uh, a trio, I could have a lead. But now I'm up here with 20 people, man, and they got some serious... There's some people up here that, that, that got some serious skills when it comes to singing. They already know how to find notes. They already know how to carry notes. They already do all that. So we got to learn how to humble ourselves. But, but believe that whatever gift that God has given you, they will make room for you. So I didn't play fullback or tailback, but I did play on the team, and I started every game as the center. And, and so what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes we have to humble ourselves and do a good self-assessment. That's what Paul said. Take an honest look at yourself and, and, and see what you're good at and what you're not good at. Some people want to do things they know they're not good at. But man, the things that you are naturally good at that come easy to you, I guarantee you, man, if you turn that gift over to the Lord, he will use it to his glory. He, he will use it and you'll be a blessing to, to, to him and you'll be a blessing to others. But we got to know by doing that assessment. And so Paul was trying to tell them this in Romans. He said, look, man, rate your own abilities with a sober mind. And then once you do that, serve to the best of your ability. Now, going back to what we said earlier, let me ask the question what I said earlier in a different way. Then Major, a Brother Purdue, Sister Purdue, you know, uh, you know uh, Amanita, if I would ask you, what in your mind are you good at? Not that what you think you're, but something that you just say, Man, I'm good at this. What, what are some things that you would think that, even if you're online and you want to make an entry to the chat, what are some things you're saying, man, I'm good at this. I mean, I can, I'm good at this. And, and does that translate over into something that God can use for his glory and you can be a blessing to others? So, Major, what, what are some things you had to just say? Your answer is your answer. I mean, nobody? I think for me, uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty decent at organizing things. Organizing. Okay. Decent organizing thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, that explains why we move, you know, you stand with the truck, getting everything, so all those fit in one truck. Because you can, you can kind of organize it. Yeah. And, and, and that ain't something that everybody can do. I mean, you ain't got but one truck and you got to get four bedrooms of stuff in there. Somebody got to pay to organize so we don't just haul off and just start throwing it in there. That's important. Because if somebody try to do it, then we're going to end up making three trips. We probably could have got it all here with one trip if we had it 
organized. So we would look down at that and say, oh, that ain't no big deal. Yes, it is, because now you're taking four hours to do something that we probably could have did in an hour and a half or two because we don't have to make the trip. But, okay, anything else? Anybody else? Anybody else? And I'll repeat whatever you say if you say something and you don't have a mic. If you're online and you want to, you know, send an instant message, do that. We'll see, can we, somebody read it to me and we'll hear what you got to say. Something that you feel like you're good at. Nobody feel like you're good? Everybody quiet? Everybody, nobody feeling good? Okay. You know, for me, I didn't know that teaching was my strong suit at first. I stumbled in the teaching. But once I found out that I like teaching and God has blessed me to be able to teach, I went back and looked at my whole life and even going back to my football story. When we used to go to play, I was the guy who was in the huddle drawing the plays up in the dirt. Everybody else just wanted to get there and throw me the ball. No, I'm saying, no, we ain't going to just throw you the ball. You're going to do this, you're going to run this for you're going to turn out, and you're going to go straight, and then I'll throw one of y'all the ball. I was always that guy that was going to sit down and plan it out, teach it, say, we got to do this this way, trying to come up with the strategy. And so when I got in the military, I stumbled up on being an instructor in my AFSC by accident. I was coming off a remote tour, and I thought I was going to McGuire Air Force Base. I was all excited to get up on the northeast coast, man. I was just going to go up there and have a good time. But I got diverted to be an instructor in my AFSC over at Keesler. At that time, man, I don't want to be no instructor, man. I don't. I ain't never taught nobody nothing. I don't want to. But I forgot that I used to do that in football. I used to draw up the plays. And then once I went over there, they taught me how to be an instructor. They told, showed me the skills, and then I loved it. And, for, and, and the beauty of that is once I learned how to teach, I learned also how to take tests because they taught me that too. And so it was a blessing in disguise because I went over there, and in four years I made two stripes because I went from making, you know, 40s and 50s on the test to, you know, 70s and 80s, high 80s, you know, on the test. Because now I understand how they wrote tests, what the stem of the question was, what they're really asking for. I could break that thing down, and so I could say, yeah, I do it. So it wasn't just all guessing. So it turned out to be a blessing, but at that time, I never knew that that was going to be used in the kingdom of God. Right. At that time, I always thought I was going to be a, go back home, be a, a, a teacher in school and coach football. That's what I thought I was going to do. But then, all of a sudden now, I started to, in the church I was in, they noticed that I come to everything, so they wanted to make me a deacon. And because I used to ask so many questions once they made me a deacon, they said, I tell you what, why don't you teach something? Well, I don't already been trained how to be an instructor. Okay, right. just, just tell me what you want me to teach. And I started teaching, and I love teaching. And so from teaching, it became preaching. I didn't ever think I was going to be anybody's preacher, but i never forget it. Because I was a teacher and I was a critical listener, I used to listen to preachers. And I used to critique them as they was preaching. Man, that ain't right. I done studied that pastor right there. I know now that he just talking now. That ain't right. No, that's wrong. He, they don't, that, that, ain't, that ain't what that pastor is all about, you know. But people who don't know, it was great. That was a great sermon. I mean. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in the chapel over in Vogelway, Germany, right outside of Ramstein there. And I'll never forget, I heard the Lord speak to me. I said, man, look. If you think you can do it better, you need to do it. I said, what? <laughs> and so after I heard that, I got no peace. 
Every night I look like someone waking me up saying, you need to teach, you need to preach. You need to teach, you need to preach. You need to And finally I went and talked to the chaplain that was running the thing. Say, man, I believe the Lord want me to teach and preach. And he said, I don't know what took you so long. I saw it in you when you used to teach the Bible study and stuff. I said, okay. So then it was a matter of doing it. And you know what? And, and I didn't get a chance to go back and go to seminary. I did everything OJT right there with him. He just told me some things that he knew. But because I was an instructor, I already knew how to line up and paragraph and write stuff. Right, right. All that thing that I was doing on the outside of the instructor came right on over into the kingdom of God. And, it, and I still use some of those techniques today. And so what I'm trying to tell you, a lot of things that we're doing before we really get serious about doing things for the Lord, he can take those same skill sets, those same talents, and those same gifts, and he can use them for his glory. And so with that said, then now I feel confident, man, giving him a little bit of time, I think I can teach with anybody. I mean, I just feel like you give me a little bit of time to do some little research on me and the Holy Spirit, I'll come up with a lesson for something, you see? And so because I know that that's what my sweet spot is, I know that that's what God has called me to do. And so I, I try to stay in that lane, and that's why I'm, I, I don't try to become a hooping preacher because I know that ain't me. But I don't mind teaching. I don't mind opening the Bible up. I don't mind going through the Bible and then speaking word, God's word to people so that they can learn it and challenge them to learn the things of God. So, I, so what I was trying to get you to see is that after you do that assessment, you got to know what your abilities are. Only you know what you're good at. I mean, you know, Major. So, so Pastor, how do, you, or how do you get out of doing what you want to do and, and figuring out what you're supposed to do? Ooh. Doing what you want to. Because a lot of times what we want to do is based upon, you know, our own natural right. way of doing things. And sometimes our wants will cause us to stay in comfort zone. Right, right. That's right. And, and because I want to do this, I like doing it, I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. So for me, getting out of my comfort zone was to say, that, hey, okay, I'm not going to just teach Bible study now. I'm going to say, okay, I believe God's calling me to preach. You know, I can't do that. But it took getting out of that comfort zone to do that because I, I knew I had the gift to do it, but I was just intimidated. Now, it's different when you ain't teaching but 10 people in a class, and now you got to stand up in front of the whole chapel, you know, and, 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 and bring a teaching, a lesson, or bring, you know, a message on a Sunday. That, that was different. But what I found out is that once I committed to it, man, yeah, yeah, I mean, man, God got to give you the, his grace is sufficient. Amen. You know, and yeah, I, I've gotten better over the years. My first sermon, like I tell anybody, it was a disaster, but nobody let me know it was a disaster. Because I'm, I've all, I guess I've always been kind of long-winded major, because the first time I preached, man, you know, I think I was up about an hour and a half, man. I tried to preach everything I knew. I mean, that was the first time I preached. And the chaplain didn't tell me. He didn't say, hey, tell your message to this. That. He just say, this, this is old school chaplain. You say God called you, he equip you, he going to give you what you need to say. So wait a minute, I thought you were going to at least sit me down and say, this is how you do it. That dude was old school. You say you've been called, he equip you. So I went home and looked like I tried to preach everything I knew in that one sermon. You know? But then over the years, I found out that that may not be the way that I would want to do everybody else coming behind me. Maybe he should have sat me down and said, hey, this is how you outline a sermon. This is how you get your three points or four points, and you tie these things to it. He just kind of did it. So all I had to rely on was my natural skills as an instructor, and I just took those things and, and did that. Looking back at it, yeah, it was, 
But the, guess what, Major? The people were very generous. They all came to, ooh, that was great. That was a good message. And now, you know, all these years later, I said, man, they just lied to me right there in church. They knew, they knew that that way. They knew that. that. So, I, so nowadays, when people come up to me and say, oh, that was good, I don't get an overinflated opinion because people say that. They, sometimes I know, man, that wasn't, that wasn't one of my better messages right there. When I go home and listen to it myself, oh, man, I could have said that different, could have said that better. Because I always critique myself because I want to make sure that as a teacher that what you're saying is right. You know, and, and, and so therefore it's easy to get caught up in the hype and people will start telling you things and then you'll start taking shortcuts and won't put in the work so that you can stay good at your craft and be good at what you're doing. So, so do an assessment. I mean, if you're online, you know, you ought to do an assessment. If you've been in the church for any period of time, God has gifted you to be able to serve and he expects us to, to use the ability that God, that he has given us. And so... Once we assess those gifts in, in, in the building, then God expects us to come alongside one another and work together in ministry. That's what service is all about. Service is about working together, and being a servant is about working with other servants to bring uh, 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 about uh, uh, the kingdom of God in the earth, to do whatever it takes to, to magnify God, to glorify Jesus, to, to get the gospel out to people, and however we do that in the church. Now, some churches are very broad and expansive. You know, service can go all the way from the ushers at the door to the greeters to the person in the sound booth. You, you name it, there's something that people can do. Little things, like we're we, we getting ready to do a lot of, and Sister Jessica probably already got a team, but we're getting ready to stuff some bags to, to give to the people in the nursing home. Well, all we need is some hands, you know, to just drop some lotion in, drop some socks in, drop some gloves in. And I've always been to the mindset, Many hands make light work. You know, just make it easy, knock it out, get it over with, and then call it a day. Because some people, that, they got the time to do that, but they may not have the time to be the person on the door on Sunday or other things or be in the choir, but I can put my hands to the plow to help execute the, 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 the mission that the church has been assigned to do. And so don't believe that God has placed you in a church and you have nothing to offer. Everybody in the kingdom of God got something to offer back to him. That's right. He's given you something that you can offer back. And you got to see yourself, that's why the Bible said, as a living sacrifice. You're giving yourself back to God as an offering when you're going to serve him and serve others. And when you do that with the right heart and the right mind, then God will bless you. Amen. He will bless you. And so I encourage anybody, if you're not serving in the church, you're not doing anything, sometimes serving nowadays, under COVID, maybe just calling people, texting people, doing some things to check in on people that come across your heart. You don't need pastor permission to do that. Just take it upon yourself. You know you haven't seen members in a while. Then just send them a text. Just ask, say, I've been thinking about you. Those are acts of service. And when we do those acts of service and kindness, those are also things that God look at as glorifying and worshiping him. I tell people, you know, just helping someone with their groceries is an act of service, man. There's so many little things that we can do that God considers service that ain't got nothing to do with being up here on Sunday or being in front of a big class teaching something. Little things that you can do. And a lot of church had the, the uh, campaigns out, you know, uh, a couple years ago. There was some church that was called Pay It Forward, you know, by serving, by paying it forward. So they was challenged to go out and say, anytime you see an opportunity where you can do something, pay it forward. You may be in the line at the grocery store, and all of a sudden you just go and tell the cashier, hey, I want to pay $20 on that person's bill. Don't even tell them you're doing it, just tell them. And they're just surprised when somebody tells hey, somebody paid $20 on your bill. Mm -hmm. 
you know what I mean? Just paying it forward. Acts of kindness, the, the random acts of kindness, what they call it. And so there are a lot of things that we can do that God look at as service to him and to service to mankind that don't have to be in the lights. Amen. And so and what, when you have a heart and a mind to serve, then God will show you ways that you can serve people. That's right. You know, and, and, and whatever you do for another, the Bible said the same will be done to you. So I believe that when you pay down on service to others, then you're paying down on somebody that's going to serve you one day. That's right. And so, so, so don't look at it as that, hey, I'm just doing this and there's no return on it. God is going to give you a return on your investment. Mm-hmm. So, so don't, don't have a heart, don't see it a difficult thing to serve in God's kingdom and serve God and his people. Now, the next thing we want to get, real servants, how real servants act. Now, Jesus said this uh, in Matthew, and this is a new uh, contemporary English version, Matthew 7, 16, you can tell what they are by what they do. Amen. You can tell what they are by what they do. You know, some of the things that we do is a clear indication of what we are. See, you can't say you're a servant if you don't do nothing to serve. And if you have a servant's heart, you're going to do things that's going to be a benefit to somebody else, and then the residual benefit is going to be a blessing to you too. And so he said, now look, you must develop a servant's heart. How do you know if a person has a servant's heart? Jesus said, you can tell by what them by what they do. Real servants make themselves available to serve. See, sometimes you got to make yourself available. Amen. And sometimes if you know you're serving it's the word of the cause, you may have to juggle some other things on your schedule to make yourself available. It's not saying that you're going to have to do that all the time, but that, man, if you got a passion for something, you'll find a way to do it. We, can jug- we juggle our lives all the time for what we want to do. I mean, we juggle our lives all the time for what we're going to do. So what I'm trying to say, if you got a true servant's heart and you got a passion about it, you, know, you will figure out how to juggle things so that you can do what you want to do and so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. If that's, your, if that's really your heart. Because he said, real servants, you know, make themselves available to serve. You know, real servants do not need, do, do, real servants do what's needed even when it's inconvenient. It's easy to do something for somebody when it's not an inconvenience. Thing. But sometimes when you're a true servant, you have to place others above yourself Amen. and inconvenience yourself. And that's the thing with today in the church. Nobody wants to be inconvenient. Service sometimes requires to be inconvenient. You know, you know, if you got a heart to visit people that are sick, man, you're going to have to say, hey, look, I'm going to do that regardless of the fact that, hey, I got to do this, this, this. Lord, I'm going to take 15 minutes to run in here and do this and, 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 and perform this act of service because you place it on my heart. Amen. And I believe God will give you the grace to do that. And so we can't allow things that we consider to be an inconvenience to keep us from serving. He says, real servants pay attention to needs. Now that's a good statement there. Real servants pay attention to needs. Servants are always on the lookout for ways to help others. Galatians 6.10 says, 
So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those who are of the household of faith. You can tell when you got a servant's heart when you don't have to wait till somebody tell you to do something. You're looking for something to do. Amen. You're looking for ways to help. You're looking for ways to, to support something. They don't have to tell you. It's good to be asked sometime, but man, if you really got that servant heart, you're looking because service is in you. And I tell people, for me, I enjoy doing what the things that God called me to do. And I, 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 in my servant's heart, I believe I got it from my granddad. Because my granddaddy, man, he would go out of his way to help people in our neighborhood, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't realize it at the time because he didn't go to church often. I didn't ever see him go to church a lot. But man, the people in our neighborhood were blessed because that dude served, man. That dude worked for the railroad, man. He get good deals on the stuff in the railroad. He bring it back to the neighborhood and everybody be eating because granddaddy Amen. worked for the railroad, Amen. you know. And, 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 and so what I'm trying to tell you, there are ways that you can serve other people and, 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 and it's not always in some magnificent way. It's just a little thing that you can do to be a blessing to others. And when you do those type things, man, from the right heart, then God's going to bless you because you want to do good. And then he says, especially for those of the household of faith. You, we got to be willing to help our brothers and sisters. And you know, Major, sometimes them calls come in and say, can you help us move on this Saturday? The first thing they say, man, move. But we the brotherhoods, we say, right. if somebody give us enough time and it ain't conflicting with something that's really a priority, we're going to do our best to do that. And so I would say for the last year, we've been pretty consistent. You know, calls come in. Every now and then there's been a call that come in on a short notice. Yeah, it frustrates them, Grace. They want this Saturday? <laughs> this Saturday? <laughs> you know, you want to say, didn't they know they were going to move a month ago? I mean, they're going to tell us on, on Tuesday that they needed this Saturday? Don't they think we would have made some plans? But now it's going back, am I willing to let this person inconvenience me? Can those plans be altered or shifted? to go and do this for this person. And, 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 and I will say our brotherhood, we got a group of guys that don't mind doing that. Amen. Don't mind helping and don't mind uh, uh, being inconvenienced when it comes to serving people because that's something that they say they want to do. And so it takes sacrifice when you're going to serve. Now, Galatians 6 and 10 uh, says this, real servants do the best with what they have. Real servants don't make excuses, procrastinate, and wait for better times. They do what needs to be done. Amen. You know, and, and that's the thing you've got to re- realize. Sometimes the reason we are not good servants, even in our work environment, when we're working and all that, is because sometimes we, we wait to the last minute, we procrastinate, and we do other things. And then when it's time to really get something done, you've got so many other things that are there. So we've got to say, hey, we don't make excuses. We don't procrastinate and wait for better times because there's a passage in the Bible that says, you know, he who waits till it's perfect to sow will never sow. I mean, you got to, it got to be perfect before I go out there and, and plow the field. I gotta, it got to be sunshine and 80 degrees, whatever, da 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 God said, man, look, sometimes you're going to have to go ahead and start the job when it's cloudy. You know, you can't just look up and say, God can't hold back the weather for you to plant one row. Do something. You can always quit. But if you sit down waiting for perfect, there's a lot of things that people 
don't get done in their lives because they're always waiting for the perfect time instead of saying, I got something to do with creating that time. We got to take the time to create the time that we need to do the things that we say that we're going to do. Number five says this, real servants are faithful to their ministry. Real servants finish their task, fulfill their responsibility, keep their promise, and complete their commitment. You can tell a real servant by the way they act. That's what Jesus said. So if you say you're part of a ministry in a church, I don't care if it's the usher's ministry, the choir, the kitchen ministry, you know, the children's church ministry, whatever part of that ministry that you say you're a part of, and you say that's your ministry, then you got to be faithful to that ministry. Because you, you are a steward over what God has blessed you to be able to do. And so God is expecting us to be good stewards over what he's blessed us with. And so when you put your hand to the plow to serve in that capacity, then you need to make sure that you are faithful to the ministry that you say you're going to serve in. Because if not, then it's going to frustrate the people that you're serving with. And so sometimes that's why it's better to sit down and count the cost and say, I just can't do it or don't want to do it, than to say yes to everything and then don't do little nothing. Because now you're frustrating everybody, and then what that does, that gives you a bad reputation when it comes to your word. People say, man, you can't, can't take majors where man, he ain't going to do it. I tell people sometimes, man, when you say you're going to do something, you're going to have to, you know, fight through hell and high water right. to do it. Or either let the person say, hey, man, I, you know, the, the weather doesn't change. Don't worry about it. We ain't going to do it. Okay, got it. But it ain't going to be on me because I told you I was going to be there. I, I'm, I'm getting ready to get there right now. But, but so, 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 so I think that when we think like that and our heart is like that, then that, may, that makes our service enjoyable. Amen. I mean, when we do it with the right heart and the right attitude, we get joy out of it, and the person who we are helping is blessed by it. Because service is always about somebody else, you know, about helping somebody else. True servants don't serve, to, don't serve to be seen. Some of the best servants in ministry work behind the scene. Work behind the scene. A lot of time, it's easy for the person who got to get up and in front of people to preach and to teach and do all that. But man, there are a lot of people that work behind the scene that you never see that make a ministry successful. Amen. You know, the final product is definitely not just what we see here on Sunday when the preacher get up. And so what we got to understand is that some things that, that, that the Lord has gifted you to do may not require you to be in the limelight or under the lights and stuff like that. But they're still critical because every, the Bible says every joint supplies something. God has given all of us gifts and talents, and every joint supplies. So therefore, whatever he's given you to do, if you're the baby finger, you know, or the big toe, you just do it. Do what he's given you to do, and do it with the right heart and the right attitude. Now, and the last point we want to make kind of turns to, and we're going to discuss these, talks about thinking like a servant. And, and Numbers uh, 14, 24 is a a powerful little passage of scripture where God talks about Caleb. You know, when, you know, when, when they went into the promised land, you know, everybody came back with bad reports, if y'all remember that, except for Joshua and Caleb. You know, and then, you know, as Caleb went on and got older, the, the Lord said this about Caleb. He says in, in Numbers verse 14, chapter 14, verse 24, and I'm reading New Century verse, he says, but my servant Caleb thinks differently. And follows me completely. See, people who got a heart to serve 
God and people, they think differently. They think differently. They, 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 they think about what God is calling them to do, and they look for opportunities to do what God's called them to do. They think different. And everybody in the church is not going to be a servant on the same degree, of the same degree, but everybody can serve. And servants think differently. And God expects us to think differently. Because serving starts in our mind. I go back to what I told you about Romans 12, 1 and 2. Renewing of your mind, you know. Be transformed so that you can do your reasonable service. You see what I'm saying? And so therefore, if we don't change the way we think about service, we won't do it. And see, service, you know, sometimes when you don't think right, then you will think that there are certain jobs in the church or certain tasks that's beneath you. I mean, you, you can't, because sometimes people allow their titles to override the task. That's right. So therefore, because I am the pastor, there's just certain tasks that pastors just shouldn't do. Now, I don't have a problem with pastors that, you know, got staff and can do all that stuff, but I've always been a hands-on type guy. So if we're going to take down this sanctuary and I'm here, I'm going to help. And people have come to me and said, Pastor, you ain't got to do this. We got, no, man, I'm going to put my hand to the plow because I enjoy doing this. It ain't like it's a task to me. I enjoy it. If we got something to do and we're going to have something in here, I enjoy doing that. But, then, but, but in some places, you know, it will be beneath them to even ask the pastor. But see, for me, people don't have to ask me. If I'm available, I'm going to come out and help. And, and Brother Latham always tried to tell me, Pastor, we got this. You don't have to, no, man, I ain't doing nothing but sitting in my office, man. Many hands make light work. I done said that too many times. We can get this thing done quicker. We just add another set of hands. And so what we got to do and we got to understand is that you can't look at a job as beneath you in the kingdom if it's something, a simple task. You know, to me, little simple thing. This is your church. Your church. When you walk down the hall, service is saying, man, I see that piece of paper over there, that bulletin somebody done dropped. I can't walk by that. I mean, how can I just walk by that in my church? Now I'm going to just walk by, well, you know, the maintenance man will be here tomorrow. He'll pick that up. Man, it's Sunday morning. Visitors are coming in. You're a member of the church. You know, it's kind of like when somebody, major, when somebody knock on your door and they, they're unannounced and you know, <laughs> give me a minute. You know, give me a minute. That means you're trying to spruce things up because you know you can't get it perfect, but at least you can pick up, you know, throw your shoes in the closet, you know, straight up. Stuff. At least make room for them to sit down. I mean, you know. And so what I'm trying to tell you, when people come to the house of God, man, those of us whose house this is, we ought to try to do our best to make sure it's presentable. Because if you don't want people to walk in and say, man, oh, they don't even care about nothing in their church, man. Look at that. They had paper all over the place, all that. No, man, little things like that. Those are acts of service. So, Servants think more about others than they do themselves. And I think I read that. Uh, Philippians 2.4 says this from the message. Don't be obsessed, obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So servants think more about others than they do of themselves. Amen. Number two, servants Think like stewards, not owners. In other words, a steward know that whatever God has blessed me with is not mine. It's his. I, I am just a caretaker of what he has 
blessed me with. So therefore, since I think like a steward and not the owner, then I know that everything I do, I'm doing because I know the owner wants me to do it. My gifts and my talents are not mine. I'm just, I'm just a steward of what God has blessed me with. And so therefore, when I see it that way, then now I remember that God owned all of it. 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 22 says this, The one thing required of such servant is that they may be faithful to their master. Therefore, when God has then gifted you or blessed you with a skill set or a talent, you got to be faithful to him. you got to really believe that, hey, man, this gift is on loan to me. God blessed me with this, and so therefore I'm a steward over it. I don't own it, and so therefore I'm going to use it because he gives the analogy. If you don't use it, you can't, you can't lose it. That's right. And so therefore we got to see that God has blessed me to do this, and if he's blessed me to do it, i got to be willing to serve others with the gift that he has blessed me with. Now, look at this. Servants think about their work and not what others are doing. In other words, they don't compare, criticize, or compete with other servants of ministry. In other words, Major, if God called you to do something and you're serving and Brother Purdue to do something and you're serving, you ain't doing it to compete with Brother Purdue. We're all on the same team trying to accomplish the same thing for the Lord. But sometimes we can make service a competition, and then we start competing with others instead of cooperating with one another. It's not about competition. And, and so this is a thing that I had to learn even when we started the ministry because it's easy to always compare yourself to other ministries and try to be, and you can do that to so much to the point that you lose your own identity by trying to compare yourself to a ministry that God didn't call you to be like. There can be some good techniques and good things that I can learn from other ministries, but man, God didn't call me to do what he's calling that pastor to do. i got to stay true to what he called me to do, but if there's some good methods that help me get there, that's one thing, but to try to be what God has not called me to be and do the things that God didn't call me to do, then it's not going to work. It's going to frustrate me. And so therefore, that's why we can't look at others and what they're doing, and then sometimes, you know, I know in football sometimes one, some players are always going to point out that, you know, we say, man, they dogging the sprints, Major. You know, everybody that's supposed to be running full speed, and he said, man, he dogging it. Man, he ain't. Man, we know that dude, that dude run a 4-3-4 He dogging it. Just because he running with all the slow dudes, he just dogging it. He ain't even giving his all because he know he can run a 4-5 and beat us because we running 4-7. And so what I'm going to say is that, look, man, if, if you're going to do something, man, don't dog it, man. Man, if you know you're a 4-2, run your 4-2 even if you're running with a 5-5. Five, five. Right. You know, you just run. Do what God has blessed you to do to the best of your ability. Don't look at other people and say, well, because they ain't doing that much, I ain't going to do that much either. I'm just going to do just enough to get by. No. Their best may be just enough to get by compared to you. That's right. But your best may encourage them to improve themselves. Amen. So therefore, it's always best for us to do things that God's called us to do and don't compare, criticize, or compete with other servants. And, and, and sometimes that can happen in ministry. People can get that competitive spirit. You can see it a lot of time, in, in, especially in the choir ministry, when you've got big choir, a lot of talented people. People will try to outsing another person and try to do that. And man, don't just be you. Sing within the range that God has blessed you to sing in. And just do that, and God's going to bless you. But don't think that you got to out-sing the last person who led the last song. Because now your heart is not right. And then now your service is not going to be genuine because now it makes it look like it's all about you, Major, 
and not about you being a blessing to other people. You want people to come back and give you the glory because you sound so good, but then now not realizing you're just a steward over what God has blessed you with, and you're doing it to bless them, not for them to come back and tell you how good you sound. And so, so we have to keep things like that in mind when we got that servant mindset. Number four says, servants base their identity in Christ. In other words, they know that they are loved, accepted by grace, and don't have to prove their worth. They're willing to accept jobs where insecure people would, where, where insecure people would consider beneath them. So a true servant is willing to do things that someone who's insecure would not do. And this goes back to when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. You know, after they got through eating the meal, Jesus got up, and, and, and he, Jesus did not allow who he was to prevent him from serving. He didn't see taking on the role of a slave as beneath him. Amen. Now, his disciples thought it was because, hey, you know, you, you know you're the Messiah, and he said, Peter, you ain't going to wash my feet. You ain't going to do it. And Peter didn't say, look, if I don't wash you, you, ain't, you don't belong to me. Peter said, well, give me a whole bath then. You know what? <laughs> you know, give me a the whole bath then. If that's the case, give me a whole bath. But the point that Jesus is trying to make is, man, if I am your master and I do this for you, then definitely I expect you to do it for somebody else. So I believe that, you know, people should be willing to at least attempt to do what they ask other people to do. Amen. And if it's beyond their skill set, at least be there to support them and give them the encouragement they need to do it. But man, if it's something that you can do and you're going to ask somebody else to do it, I don't think you should look at any job in the kingdom of God as beneath you. Amen. You know, and, and, and because, you know, sometimes when we look at things that, that we think is beneath us, then other people read that as saying, man, Major done got so arrogant now. He think, you know, ain't no humility in that at all. He think that's beneath him. You know, no. If God has allowed me to do this, then I'm going to humble myself and do it and believe that in due time God's going to exalt me for doing it. See, because, again, I ain't doing it for glory, not my glory. So I'm not doing this because I hope somebody's going to pat me on my back in front of everybody and bring me up and say, boy, boy, boy. No, I ain't doing it for that. If that happens, it won't be because I wouldn't say, hey, when are you going to get my recognition? <laughs> you know, when, when are you going to get my recognition? No, that, that ain't how that works, man. Because that, if that's the case, then your motive for doing it was wrong. You know, huh? In, in your case, I mean, you carry a greater responsibility. So if, so if you didn't do it, I mean, it should be okay. Even though, even though you say, okay, I do it because I enjoy to do it, but that's, that's, you have a greater responsibility. I agree. And, and, and again, there are some pastors who, who's, and, they, and their members ex, don't expect them to. It, we got some members here in, in, the, in our church that was brought up in old school churches where pastors didn't do that. And they have tried to give me, hey, you don't have to do this. I can do that. That, that, that just ain't me. Right, right. If I can help, I'm going to help. I'm, I'm just going to put my hands to the plow. That, I'm not going to just sit in the office and just let everybody else do everything else. And then all of a sudden now it's all about me. No, I'm going to put my hands. Because I, I want to be, in my mind, I've always wanted to be visible with the sheep. Amen. Not like, okay, a, a shepherd ought to blend in right with his sheep, man. Amen. 
I mean, I read one good book to say a shepherd should smell like sheep. And you can't smell like sheep if you ain't never around sheep. You're never doing what they're doing. You're never caring for them like you should because now the sheep are caring for you instead of the other way around. See, the shepherd is supposed to be there to guide, protect, and, and, and lead the sheep, not the sheep doing everything for the, just for the shepherd. So, 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 but you're right, Major. I don't have no problem with that. You know, when, when, when a man of God, a woman of God, is, uh, is uh, uh, allowed to, 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 you know, just kind of sit back sometimes, that's okay. But at the same time, it's nothing wrong with a man or woman of God who say, hey, I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to tell Major to do something. I can do it. I'm going to show him I can do it. Because now, He'll at least know the pastor when he's not here, when he's not doing it in his office. I know, it. hey, I ain't got to be thinking, man, pastor always getting these tasks for us to do. And man, I ain't never seen that dude, you know, do none of that stuff. He just throwing stuff out there for us to do. No, Amen. I don't see him do this. So I know that if he could be here, he know that he, he's willing to do it. He wouldn't be willing to put you up to do something that he's not willing to do himself. Service is a serious, a serious uh, commitment that you have to make if you want to serve God and serve his people. Amen. And the last thing he says, servants think of ministry as an opportunity, not an obligation. Amen. In other words, they enjoy helping people, meeting the needs, and doing ministry. They serve the Lord with gladness. He says, in, in Hebrews 6 and 10, it says, God is not unfair. He will not forget the works you did or the love you showed for him in the help you gave and are still given to other Christians. God is making note of everything we do when we help others and then we still helping others. And sometimes we help others even at our own expense and our own cost or whatever. He's saying, look, believe that God sees what you're doing and God is going to reward you for the things that you do to help others. And so therefore, that's why it's so important that our heart got to be right as you're going to be a servant. You got to have that servant's heart. And, and everybody is not on the same level when it comes to serving. But again, this word servant is bigger than just working and building grocery bags and doing that. It goes back to having a heart to worship God, right. having a heart to praise God, having a heart to do things out in the community that ain't even associated with the church. But just because you got a heart, it could be a person on your job that you can serve Amen. and still glorify God. Right. And so don't look at service as everything I do inside the walls of the church. Look at service opportunities, things that we can do outside the wall. Like I said on Sunday, man, we have been blessed to have all this grocery, man, that we've been trying to get rid of. We're still getting rid of it today. Finally got rid of all the grapes, you know what I mean? Think we still got some eggs out there and stuff like that, but other canned goods and stuff we're going to get rid of. Just think about that. I was thinking about this last night, Major. When I go to the commissary, they got them airman bags. I guess the bags you can support an airman. Yeah. You just pay whatever's in there, and they put stuff in there, and you just buy a bag, put it in there, and an airman can come by and pick that up. Well, look here, you got an opportunity to do that and you ain't got to pay nothing. That's right. All you got to do is come out here and go to the pastor, just put some stuff in a bag, find a little airman, take it over to the dorm, and leave it there or whatever. Find somebody that needs it. You ain't got to buy it. Now, if you want to buy it in the commissary, then do it and put it in the bag. That's a good act of service. But I'm telling you now, if you don't have the money to do that, you can just take some time to come and shop and then take it and do the same thing. Amen. Same thing. Because it's all an act of service. And when we serve God and serve others, it becomes an act of worship. And we're going to see that later on as we go further. So is there any questions? Is there any questions for me? Anybody online? Marcus, anybody that got any uh, instant messages? Or anybody got comments uh, about anything we said tonight? Uh, 
Okay, okay. Any comments before we get ready to close out? Again, look for opportunity to serve. Perpetual service. Want to call your attention to some announcements before we leave? 